Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast, Coffee Time Wednesdays. The best 15 minutes of your week and possibly the worst of ours. Uh, do not forget we are sponsored by Hoxie Native Seeds. And uh, we are here to... To bring you some some news or some interesting facts. Some hoxie cheer. Some hoxie cheer. Well, I have a thing that's not cheerful. This is not my actual thing. <laughs> but uh, uh, David Brandt, age 76, just passed away. Um, mm. You don't know, probably, that he was a forerunner in the no-till game. Uh, he was that, which we greatly admire him for. Yes. What you do know is that he was the... Uh, the connoisseur of a meme. He is the, the connoisseur. Ain't much, but it's honest. It's honest work. Maybe the main character or the the face. The creator. I don't think no, he, he created. did not create it. I yeah, was, but he said the thing. Right, but he wasn't. He wasn't the one that like circulated the meme. He was. He was just being honest. Yeah, just well, honest, honest work. It was honest work. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, props to that guy. Thank you, David, for the conservation. Uh, um, pioneering that you were doing. Uh, I, I saw that on NPR. So anybody want to start or I will? I'll go last. I'm trying to negotiate with a guy to squeeze 2600 out of my car right now. So <laughs> come back to me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're looking to buy a new vehicle, uh, Peyton has one for sale. Yeah. 26. How many uh, How many uh, froth tournaments have been won? Zero, in but I've got second five times. So <laughs> there you go, almost Dude, a winner's vehicle. A couple summers ago, before Peyton uh, tore his knee in half, um, he was going to all these disc golf tournaments, and uh, he would always come back and be like, "Yeah, I got second. And Dad one day was like, "You know, if you get first one of these times, maybe Hoxie will sponsor you." <laughs> he proceeded to then uh, rip his leg in half. Yeah, I got second. I think three out of the first four tournaments I played I haven't won one since. <laughs> Well, so, so you've never ever won? I'm, well, I've won one doubles tournament, but I mean, I, I'd i like to say that I carried my, my <laughs> but team. But it was my worst game I ever played. <laughs> my partner had three aces. <laughs> no, I, uh, I I carried that team, but doubles tournaments don't count as sanctioned wins. So here I am, winless. Well, anyways, you can still you can still buy Peyton's vehicle, and maybe you two will get second place at yep. a, For a low price tournament. of $10,000. It is a 1999 Ford Escape. I don't. I don't know what year is it. Like 2009. 2009. I don't know. It might be too little, too late. This it, guy's it going for drives it. Drives well. It needs needs some work, but give me a shout. Six four one five nine four zero seven four one. Wow, he's gonna do that to himself. Right. No, that's Nick's cell phone number. Frick. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. I wasn't even paying attention. I'm trying to find my article that I had. Uh, I'm going to go first. Yes. The turn thank you, Ken. So uh, this last week, I don't know how I missed this, but um, I'm not reading about it till now. So on Thursday, uh, the Supreme Court uh, uh, ruled that um, they're going to stop federally regulating wetlands that aren't connected to uh, major uh, bodies of water. So like rivers and lakes that um, uh, are already regulated by the federal government. So I think it was the EPA who was really overseeing uh, wetlands. 
And uh, although I think FSA, NRCS, so U.S. Department of Agriculture, I think they were somewhat involved as well. Um, but I'm not entirely sure on that. But uh, so wetlands are an important top topographical feature uh, in you know not just America, all over the world that people really didn't understand the purpose of until relatively uh, recently. I think it was kind of like the 1970s when people started to really get uh, the picture that, hey, we need these things. Why do why do we need them? What are like the two or three major sure. things? So probably the most important one would be they are a nutrient sink. So uh, think of, uh, you know, even naturally there's going to be nutrient rich runoff that's taking place but since the era of fertilizing uh ag fields fertilizing lawns um even uh uh just runoff from like feed lots and stuff like that for livestock we have a lot more of these different uh like nitrogen based compounds phosphorus based compounds uh, even carbon based compounds that are are uh, running off and getting into our water system Delicious. well when when these creeks and rivers flow through like a swampy marshy wetland area because that water is more stagnant there's huge uh populations of bacteria in those uh those wetlands and they digest those compounds and in a way kind of like clean up the water again and so that's that's the main one they're a nutrient sink the next one actually hits close to home here <clears throat> just before these other two people in the room were born. Um, in 1993, a lot of our state, Iowa, was underwater. Um, in fact, uh, for you two guys, if you didn't know this, you could go down to uh, Red Rock. And you know where they have like the old bridge that they uh, cut in half and it's like yep. you can walk out to the edge of it, but that's it. Um you never dove off the end? I never did. Mm. I think the water's like three feet deep there. So it, <laughs> yeah, it didn't feel good. I'll tell you what. <laughs> really gave me a headache. <laughs> but uh, uh, the down, like the bike path down to the, uh, I guess it would be to the west of there, they have a marker like up on this tree. It's like high water mark from flood of 93. So the Des Moines River really flooded. And uh, then, of course, the Mississippi River flooded majorly as well, uh, and that affected, like, the Quad City area. Um, but uh, the reason, one of the main reasons they found for that was back in, like, the 70s, well, really 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, when concrete was really getting used a ton, and housing developments were shooting up everywhere, and shopping centers were, sh were shooting up everywhere, they were filling in a lot of these wetland areas with dirt and then paving over top of them. And so then when you had this, you know, crazy amount of rain that came plus snow melt that came in a short amount of time, normally you would still have flooding, but it would have all these wetlands to like that water would like flow into. But because there almost all those wetlands were gone, that water just like kept running faster downstream and would jump into the, these rivers right away and flood out these rivers. Hmm. So it flooded out the Des Moines river, flooded out uh, the Cedar river really bad. 
I believe, and flooded out uh, the Mississippi River ultimately really bad. Probably the Iowa River, too, I would imagine, um, because that joins down kind of just That's south crazy. of the Quad Cities. Well, but, I was I was around 2008 was worse, and then 2009 was really bad as well. And there are places that are they're full farms. They were like 10-foot well, well, deep. Well, the, we, the reason we have this office that we have right now is because of the flooding of the Cedar River in 2008. Yeah, so this that's is, true. This was a modular classroom for the University of Iowa. Northern and, Iowa. University of Northern Iowa. It was? I thought, I thought it was I thought it was you Who's to say, man? It could Anyways, be. Uh, it, it, it was because of that flooding going on that much of the campus was underwater, so they had to set up classes off-site. And this was one of those classrooms, but, but, um, anyways, so what, how does this tie into the article? Well, uh, a lot of people are afraid that without having to jump through all these hoops, uh, landowners are going to, um, be able to go back to what it used to be, which is do whatever you want with that wetland that you have on your property, fill it in if you want, which, you know, for farmers, there's going to probably be some of that, but <clears throat> I mean, it takes a lot of work. Like if you have a large wetland area, it's going to take a lot of work to drain that. And to, so like, what's the difference in a wetland and like a pond? Well, a pond is a, is a, uh, uh, permanent surface water feature. Whereas a wetland I think, um, is, uh, the first area. That's a good question because there are some, you know, like a swamp, that would really be a permanent, you know, I don't really know the definition. So we were driving to Michigan this past weekend, my brother and I, my wife and my, and my brother's girlfriend. And, and we saw some like shallow, like pond, like a yeah, foot deep yeah, there's a lot in marshes in Michigan. There's a lot of wetland yeah. areas. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, um, well, you've got Lake Michigan that can saturate so much around it with water that, you know, a couple of rains and all of a sudden the water can't, it, you know, the water table is really high over mm -hmm. there. So that's a that's a thing but so would that be like a marsh or what yeah, i think be... these are more like spring fed areas you know that just stay they they aren't really like wetlands are or the michigan ones? uh wet wetlands are hmm. um i don't i don't know if like surface drainage into a low spot you know if that constitutes as a wetland area it might um that, that'd be a good thing to look up because i'm not not really sure where they draw that designation but point being where I think this is going to be probably be like where we're going to see more problems with this is going to be uh, with development. Um, you know, if if a land developer who wants to put up a new neighborhood, the cul-de-sac neighborhood or something like that, previously they weren't able to do anything with that piece of land for that. So now that farmer who owns maybe, we'll say, a 20-acre wetland area, has always just had to leave it alone, maybe get some government payments through the Wetland Reserve Program, WRP. Well, he might be able to now say, well, I'll never be able to farm that ground without putting a ton of money into it. But here's this developer who's willing to pay me a couple million bucks for those 20 acres because he wants to turn it into a neighborhood mm. because he's got the money and he's yeah. got... He's a lot got more the, margin when you're building houses or, right. or uh, right. parks or... yeah. And so whether that goes for a housing development or maybe commercial development too, you know, um, I think that's really w what is most alarming to me. And then also maybe uh, some 
livestock husbandry practices with runoff and so forth, there yeah. could be, you know, you had to be really careful with that when the EPA was overseeing some of this stuff. And they still are as far as rivers and lakes go. But with wetlands, yeah, you know, maybe not as much. Yeah, but a million small trickling things, you know, that ends up making a difference when... I don't know. It's interesting. We have on my way home to Knoxville every day. So we've got a big 3M, which is like a tape company, big mm-hmm. 3M factory yep. out there. And one, it's like a bummer because it's like a tape factory. But two, it's nice because it's a uh, uh, it's industry in our in our town, which you right. know, provides a lot of pretty well paid jobs. And uh, oh, my goodness, there's this high schooler who was in high school like two years ago. And I was talking to him. I knew him in high school. And, and he was telling me how much they were paying him at 3M. And it's like way more than I'm getting paid. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he like just started working there right out of high school. I was like, you just make tape. And I was very happy for him. But uh, a little sad. Well, the <laughs> Nick is just dumping on this kid's job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I'm happy for him. Well, right next to the factory, there's like a wetland, like yep. a wetland memorial. I thought that was interesting. I, I don't know if it has anything to do with the factory, but I was like, man, look at these two. One ecologically like thousand year old wetland and then Well it's kinda it's kinda factory. like the it's kinda like, you know, when we talked about the carbon credits. It's a way to offset uh your your effects. I I just noticed last night I went on Google Google's homepage and it says like carbon neutral since I can't remember the date. It might have been twenty seventeen or something like that. So well, in order to be carbon neutral, then do they just buy carbon credits right. of people that are actually, or being, they might, they might plant so many trees somewhere. They, yeah, yeah they, dude, I don't know the amount like, of Google servers. Right. Right. Yeah. But, but, that, but that's the same idea. Hey, we have this factory here, but we also have this wetland yeah. that we sponsored. Yeah, yeah. So we're good. Carbon neutral. Kent is famous for you know when you were a kid and if you like ever tried to play video games or you got a new toy and your older brother hogged it that's what Kent does with our time on <laughs> the coffee time Wednesdays. You talked for half my time, Nick. No, he no. told about this kid that makes reclaiming tape. my time, reclaiming my time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Peyton, hit me. I'm well. I was doing some research on the um, BLM um, Bureau of Land Management. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that now. Everyone no. knows that. Nick. You've no. said it 500 times now. No, not everybody knows that. I was literally just not going to say it the whole time. Oh, but yeah. So the BLM on basically this is like the opposite side of the scale of what Kent was talking about. Uh, anyone who doesn't know anything about the BLM, they manage basically one eighth of the United States land. And what they'll do with a lot of it is they'll lease it out for either grazing or extraction of oils, minerals. What have you? Well, there's new rules that could be coming in place. It's nothing that I know of is official yet. That is attempting to shift shift the focus from extraction to be on more of an equal footing to a focus on conservation. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's all we got because we're out of time. So, <laughs> <laughs> I went, so is that coming straight from like Congress? That's, or? that's coming from the Biden administration. Okay. Uh, is trying to do a lot with, and obviously when you get the government involved in conservation, it's probably like the least efficient way you could conserve while still conserving. Yeah. Um, but it's it's not bad news. It means yeah. Um, there's at least some sort of effort being given towards conservation. Um, in our federal government and i'm not sure what that looks like um in terms of like regulations and stuff or how it would work but 
it's I saw a couple articles on it. Just pushing towards well, a report. ton of BLMs just out west, right? Like that's like that's some, all of it basically. Yeah. There's nothing out east of BLM. No, because all that stuff got bought by those. Yeah. Uh, so Alaska entrepreneur. Alaska's about a third of what they do. Oh yeah, that's good. so. And they're interesting. I mean, there was a big oil project pushed in like northern Alaska that got basically shut down right when. Um, Biden took office, and then he's since allowed it to. Yeah, that was continue. a thing, right? He, yeah. He's like allowed them to. Yeah, jail. he, he kind of went in and said, you know, like, hey, we're not going to allow this. There was and, and then it slid under the radar because. Well, there was whatever. something to that, too. Like, it was a. The, they kind of had no choice but to allow some drilling based well, on some previous deal. Or They're the government. They can do whatever they want. I think they wanted the money is what they wanted. But Well, they might also be scared about the infrastructure of, like, all those other countries banding together. Money. Well, or or Conoco Phillips would say, "Fine, you're not going to let us drill here. We're going to go. Yeah. We're going to go onto this private site and because we have enough money. We're going to we're going to or we're going to pay those people to give us drill permits, and that's going to have a whole lot worse of an environmental impact if we're drilling there instead of instead of over here. But you know, yeah, from based our... on you know like maybe where it, it where like it's a spawning ground for salmon or something like that yeah yeah from my um limited you know five minutes of research that's kind of what it seems like blm's current objectives are right now is to lease land um and make money for the united states government by leasing it to either you know grazing is a big one or a lot of these oil companies as well well and it's also just a way to allow americans to have public access to do all sorts of different things, you know, yeah. hunting, fishing, backpacking. Uh, I think on BLM, you're even allowed to use motor motorized vehicles, so dirt biking, hmm. stuff like that. That's crazy. That's I don't know. I don't think they care about that at all. Well, no, they do because that's that's one of our greatest freedoms uh, here in America is that we have access to do those things. No, I, I I'm I'm just saying. I think the BLM is less focused about. Can't and his dirt bike than they are. No, with. no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that because that keeps that keeps uh, voters happy that they can have those freedoms. Isn't isn't the BLM like fairly controversial? No. Is, is it bipartisan? Oh, who's to say? I don't know. I I don't know. Someone is to say. Well, and it ain't us. Okay. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. It is controversial in the sense that there are there are uh, elites that want to be able to sell off all that land to private buyers, which are their friends. And uh, so that's controversial. Hmm. They're fascinating. Negating our access. All right, guys, I'm going to take us home with mine, man. You guys, this was better. I should have gone first. Mine was Oregon state. um, I believe Oregon state university. There's this solar project with agriculture where they um, have basically figured out how to use, uh, solar in fields that combines can go through Hmm. um Hmm. so you can or like you can graze the fields or and it's a pretty big deal because when you have solar on it um it collects the sun's um power and takes away some of the heat so the so the plants actually don't have to use as much energy to stay cool um and they're able and so they grow bigger which also helps things stay cool Um, and then, uh, and then with the shade, it's a lot better for some of the animals. The animals have to consume less water. Um, and, uh, they were just saying that it would only take like seven years 
for a farmer to put in certain agricultural practices that it would only take seven years for the farmer to make their money back on uh, on these solar panels after implementing them. Well, which to me is crazy. If you, um, and it could be less than that too, because the timeline for a lot of these is three to four years if they're getting um, 100% buyback from the utility as well. Hmm. Is kind of where we're at. It used to be. It's it's gone like gotten drastically better. And then um, if you put like batteries in that too, you're looking at like two or three years before you make your money back on all of these solar um, projects. So right here, and so this is on today.oregonstate.edu. Um, it says that one of his recent studies, and this is Professor Higgins, who I think is like a guy who he's got like a thousand acres that the University has just been like, hey, get new agricultural practices and help us move forward. Um, he So he does a lot of experimental stuff. And he said that uh, he found that if you co-develop land for both solar uh, power and agriculture, and obviously it wouldn't work for every practice, but on the ones that it would, it would generate 20% of all electricity in the United States. Wow. That's nuts. Yeah. So th- that would just be a huge deal and the farmers would get paid for this right and actually it'd be interesting because if you got a couple thousand acre farm the leasing rates are way higher for solar than well i'm saying the uh, here he's saying like farmers need to just take out the million dollars yeah put up giant solar farms just make have someone hired that just manages them you know what I mean? And I mean think about it, you got a couple thousand oh. acres, you're able to put solar energy over it. You got a couple guys well, that are just maintenance. Well, even still, even if managing. you just leased your land to a big solar company, I believe I just heard uh, from a very good source uh, a few weeks ago, fifteen hundred bucks an acre leasing. Whoa. Yeah. Oh a year, a year. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty crazy. It depends. Fifteen hundred bucks bucks an acre compared to two hundred and fifty. You wouldn't yeah. for a pretty decent price on. Yeah, but you get that though in Iowa. I don't think either. No, this person is. Really? Oh, really? Okay. Yep. But they're not. It's not a five hundred acre farm, is it? Uh, it's like a. I think it's total. Everyone involves like. 180, 120, 180, something. That's like that. pretty deep. Yeah, that's a really big solar field. Yeah. yeah. My goodness, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> That's yeah. pretty cool. I, I mean, I thought it'd be perfect because we literally have. So what the solar panels can do is they can turn, right? Yeah. We've got species that need shade and we've got species that need, uh, that have rows. I mean, we already these, put some of our species these in feel rows. Like the one he's talking about, I, I'm i not 100%, but they're not turning. They're not the one. Yeah, that, that's You fair. set them at yeah, 30 yeah. degrees, you'll set them like 25 or 30 feet apart or whatever. And then because these arrays need to be especially like in iowa when the winter sun is so much lower they do need to be pretty far away so like you would be able to get i thought it was interesting because you would be able to get a combine down yeah. if you spaced them a little farther apart and yeah. you're denying yourself some efficiency on like optimal panel spacing but yeah but that makes up for it when you're planting <laughs> prairie flocks that's getting shade yeah that'd be pretty crazy yeah um that, that that's something that's interesting but we are under a city that does not do buyback. Yeah. What did they do? Like 20% buyback or something? Uh, it was less than that. My parents got like, I think like 10 cents on the dollar, but I'm not, I'm not sure on that. Man, that's crazy. Mm. But they didn't pay an electrical bill, did they? They like had it No, they, they still had to pay because, so without a battery, this is why batteries oh. are big. You're not using, you go to work during the day. If you're a um, 
yeah, law abiding citizen most of it's that's you know productive to society. You're going to work during <laughs> the day. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for all you night shift folk. You're going to work during the day, and then you're coming back, and you're using all the power after the sun has set, right? Yeah. So you're making money, you're selling it for ten cents, and then you end up buying it for a dollar or whatever. Yeah. For because if um, you have a battery, what you do is you collect it and then sell it to it. them at six p.m. You never sell it; you would just use it. Oh, would it? Would it collect? It wouldn't collect more than you would. I use. mean, maybe you would sell your. You'd sell your excess. Yeah, that's but what you, I'm saying. The goal is to use everything that you. Because the idea store. is you, you would sell during dinner time because that's when the rates are like that's double based off if they do like peak. Oh, but which yeah. is more of a city thing. I think yeah. that's the, not really like the big a small thing with town. batteries now is that you can then use it for when you actually need it yeah. versus selling it and not making the money off it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Man, well, thanks for hanging out, guys. We uh, Don't forget, if you are looking for some backyard pollinator uh, or some CRP or some uh, native grass mixes. Or uh, a 2009 Ford Escape. 2009 <laughs> Ford Escape. Go to hoxynativeseeds.com. We also, uh, we've got native seeders that uh, people... Way more people have been asking about this. I haven't been pressing any sales or anything, and people have just been asking about buying them. So I'm wondering if, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.